everybody, and welcome to another episode of Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Drew. My name is Aaron. And thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, today, we're going to be working on episode four. Now, if you missed episode three, you got to watch it. It is really amazing. Aaron and I actually cover attractions, and we compare them and rate them um, East Coast versus West Coast, and then we give them a rating at the end. And uh, I'm very shocked at what what our scores ended up being. I don't know about you, Aaron, but... Yeah, it was very surprising. And especially if, if you follow along with how we were, you know, how we were responding to some of these rides during the recording, man, uh, we got a little passionate at times. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently we're very passionate when we talk about attractions. Go figure. Yes, yes. And, uh, but the end result was actually a little bit different than I would have expected. And I think that's pretty cool and pretty telling of our system of ranking, that it's not just about our favorite rides rank at the top and our least favorite rides rank at the bottom. There is, at least in my opinion, a bit of nuance and a bit of, of care that went into this, this system. Definitely. And like what I think I got out of it personally when I watched it was why? What are the reasons behind why I love these rides and what makes them better than their counterpart or, you know, on... on you know, what makes them better than their counterpart on the East Coast versus the West Coast or wherever they are in the world? And what really makes a ride like truly great? So, yeah, because it's apparently based on our ratings, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to get a, a ride that's thrilling, you know, and has good theming and, and all of our categories. So, yeah, very, yeah. very yeah. fun yeah. episode. I'm glad we did it. And I can't wait to do more. Yeah, I'm really excited to do more and kind of see how all of the rides shake out over time and see if we might not have to re-rank some or or just see kind of what what transpires after we do a few more of these you know we've we've essentially done five um but there were a couple that are like different iterations you know depending on if you're considering get uh guardians of the galaxy and tower of terror the same ride uh you know if you're considering dinosaur and indiana jones the same ride you know, maybe there's an argument to be made that we did more than five. But that being <laughs> said, once we've got like 20 or so attractions, and especially in non-Disney parks, I'm really excited to see how things really shake out. Me too. And it just gives me more reasons to go visit you in Florida and go to every theme park there. So I'm really excited to do that. But uh, right. make sure you check out that episode. It's really, really great. And um, anyway, enough about last episode. On <laughs> to the news. So... Um, this week at Disneyland here in Orange County, California, we got some pretty exciting news that a new Star Wars store had opened up in the area where Rainforest Cafe used to be at Downtown Disney. And I think it's pretty great. Um, I don't know if you've seen videos or photos of it, Aaron. Have you have you checked those out? I did get to check out some uh, some pictures and uh, a video walkthrough of the store itself. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty well themed. I mean, they really they really did quite a lot in quite a little bit of uh, quite a short amount of time. Yeah, considering that it used to be a restaurant. I mean, you you watch the videos of people going in there. At no point do you think, oh, clearly this used to be a restaurant. I mean, right. They they use the space so well, and they use the existing theming really well. In fact, yeah. Um, I would I want to say a year ago. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Aaron, but I actually thought that the Rainforest Cafe, when, once they decided, you know, the big resort's not going to happen, uh, we need to open up, you know, all the things that we had closed in preparation mm -hmm. for the new resort that they were going to build that didn't happen. Um, I thought, you know, like Rainforest Cafe would either make a really, really cool Indiana Jones restaurant or store or a rebel base, which is what they went with. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think they did a phenomenal job. One of my favorite things is inside. There's uh, a little porg that's hanging on a shelf, and, and they made a little wire nest, just like they did <laughs> in the Millennium cool. Falcon. I, I love that. I think it's so great. Yeah, but there's a lot of, like, uh, <laughs> I would imagine there's a lot of theming elements that they stole from Betu. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Batu looks like and if it's missing anything when we get to go back in it. Right, right. Well, yeah, and not only that, but also Launch Bay, I'm sure, has uh, given quite a bit of donations. Yeah, yeah, Ray Speeder is out front, and it's definitely, at least I think, it's definitely the same one that was in Star Wars Launch Bay. Um, interesting to see. I don't think it was necessarily built for being outside, but you never mm. know. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't get sun-bleached and and ruined because it's a really cool little prop 
but I, I think your call out that that building, you know, just the exterior facade of that building definitely gives off the Yavin 4 vibes of, you know, sort of a, the makeshift rebel base. It really does work in its favor. Totally. It, it It's almost like over-themed in some sections with all that like jungle netting and tons of satellite dishes and like things that weren't even in the original trilogy movies that it sort of is referencing. Right. I think that's probably more uh, Disney's bounty of props versus Lucasfilm's fairly limited scope of stuff to work with at the time. Yeah, and I think that's just Disney doing good set dressing. You know, yeah. like at a glance, you look over at that building, you know immediately it's a Star Wars building because of all mm-hmm. the things that they've added to it. And I don't think they could have done much more. Like I said, like there is a lot of elements. For example, one of the weird ones that I saw in the video is there's big tree trunks covering, I would imagine, what are the support uh, support right. beams for the inside of the yep. building. Um, and they put like wires through them. It, I think it's funny because um, clearly those tree trunks don't come out of the top of the building. Um, right, but yeah. they made it work. And I think this is a really, really cool thing that we're seeing a lot more of with, you know, Pixar Pier we've mentioned before. Yep. Um, this store, it's just nice to, and if you catch episode um, two and episode one, uh, Aaron and I, you know, reimagine kind of, kind of in the same way, like using the existing bones of a building and really making it work for your new theming. So I think they did a good job. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that in real time, as we've been making up these sort of like fantastical ideas of what would this ride be with that? What would that ride be? But with this, Disney right under our nose has done that exact thing. <laughs> yeah. But they've taken some, you know, a, a standing building that had an established theme and gave it a completely new context, a brand new story, and are reutilizing it in a way that's super exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the, the folks that are going out to downtown Disney right now that are starved for theme parks are absolutely loving it. And they're loving that Star Wars experience. Totally. And apparently the parking situation is like two hours to get into the parking lot. I mean, like we have oh. been starved of theme parks for a, almost a year now. So Basically a year, yeah. Anything new that has great theming, at, you know, is totally... We're, we're all game for that, mm-hmm. definitely. But... It does bring up kind of our topic today, which is, um, you know, as if you've watched our previous episodes, you know, Aaron and I are huge fans of, like I said, like taking existing bones of, a, of an attraction or land and making it work. Um, right. But Disney, you know, did something else. And what I'm talking about is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And so they built an entire new land, which leaves us with one question. What's going to happen to Star Tours? If you can turn a barbecue joint into a completely new planet, I don't think there's any limit to what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But for those of you who haven't been on Star Tours, Aaron, do you want to read the description for us? Yes. So Star Tours, um, one of my favorite attractions, is a 3D motion simulator located uh, across the world in Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disneyland in California, Tokyo Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. So the 3D version of this ride um, is about 10 years old now. Yeah. And um, during the course of your journey in Star Tours, uh, you are guests, you are tourists, some space tourists that get sort of accidentally put into a Star Wars adventure and you get to play that out as um, tourists behind um, well, behind the piloting of C-3PO. So pretty exciting, um, pretty exciting adventure story. And you get to encounter, you know, all the, all the familiar locations and familiar characters. One thing that's very different about um, the, the newer version of this ride is that it takes scenes from all nine episodes, episode one through episode nine, and stitches them together to tell sort of a unique story every single time sort of ignoring uh, ignoring any kind of time, plot, or location importance, just sort of giving you the hits, you know, giving you like a best of Star Wars experience. And that's really a, a different take than the original Star Tours that took place um, after the original trilogy in sort of a mocked up third Death Star. But it's also very different from the storytelling in Galaxy's Edge, 
where Batu is its own self-contained planet with its own sort of heartbeat almost, its own characters, and it shares characters from the sequel trilogy and certainly makes reference to other events, but it's very focused, very dead set on that you are a Star Wars character living a life of a Star Wars character. Yeah, and Aaron, one thing I'd like to really mention too, um, this ride, when it came out, for example, um, I'll just give you some dates really quick. So the original attraction opened in Disneyland in January 1987. It was then updated in June of 2011. Um, it opened July 1989 in Tokyo Disneyland and then was updated in May 2013. And then December 1989 at Disney's Hollywood Studios updated in May of 2011 and April 1992 at Disneyland Paris and updated in March 2017. Now, um, those between those dates, between opening and reopening, is, is a pretty big gap. And I would say a lot of true diehard Star Wars fans really miss the original. I think it truly was a pretty timeless ride. But now with the introduction of Batu and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um, it def I'm glad it had an update because I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. if it didn't have an update, I don't know if we would still be able to ride it. Um, right. Today. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, and to contextualize the popularity of this original ride when it came out, um, Star Wars in the, in the you know, late eighties was one of the biggest franchises on the planet. And it was, you know, in every screen in everyone's mind. And then suddenly Disneyland had basically like another Star Wars property on one screen on one city in the world. And to put that into perspective, they decided on opening weekend to just leave the park open for 60 consecutive hours. Like they did not close because the line for Star Tours did not stop. And so of course that propagated all over the world where, um, where we now can appreciate four different locations for star tours and of course it's inevitable updates and improvements along the way yeah it, it, you're totally this right. was not an easy this was not an easy ride to think about improving because it is just so wonderful yeah it was not easy to to think about what a park would be removing it and it also wasn't easy to think about what to change although it seems like there are things that could use changing Totally. We bit off way more than we can chew. It was such an easy topic <laughs> to come up with, <laughs> yes, but it yes. is such a difficult topic to get in, to make an answer for. Um, I'm, yeah. you know, I think I came up with um, a pretty good solution, but um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? It's up to you. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think what we should talk about first is what did we come up with in order to keep Star Tours? And then maybe we can come up with what we thought about if we were to remove Star Tours. Interesting. So my my idea on keeping um, some form of Star Tours uh, sort of involves changing the story a bit, but keeping the bones of the Anaheim building intact. Oh. So I'm 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 gonna take out the 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 word tour. Um, Star Wars and especially these Star Wars attractions and even like the, uh, the upcoming hotel, they love their, their Star Wars colon and then something. So what I came up for, for an attraction to replace Star Tours was Star Wars Mandalorian Bounty. Ooh. So this at a, at a glance is still a Star Wars space tourism style ride, uh, wherein you are exploring the galaxy and enjoying some of the fun, beautiful, cool aspects of it. That's what it is on the outside. So one thing that I wanted to change um, just in the queuing process is that all the extra overflow queue, I want to make that required queue and I want to theme the heck out of it. Yeah. So the entrance building, whether it wraps into and then back looped around, or if we just move that entrance down towards that center, uh, the center corridor, um, or the center of the corridor of Tomorrowland. Either way, I want to have access into that building, and I want to use that for theming. And what I wanted to do off the bat was implement some stormtroopers, some original stormtroopers that have kind of the you know a little bit of motion. Think like the Rise of the Resistance troopers that are just kind of like 
you know, checking on things, making sure nothing's out of the ordinary. Um, I don't need actors in there and I don't need an animatronic. I just need a little bit of motion, something to, you know, get that, get that point across. And then you just can throw an audio bed underneath and, and you're good, you know? Right. Think the Patrick Warburton droid in the luggage scene and then just put that into a trooper and I'm happy. <laughs> so sprinkle those about, uh, you know, have a little security section and then funnel people into what we know as the main entrance. And when you get into the main entrance, you normally see the classic star speeder. And in this case, uh, what I think would be really cool is instead of seeing a star speeder, you're going to see a bunch of speeder bikes. And you're gonna see little pit droids hanging around the speeder bikes and they're gonna be all anxious and beeping and like trying to repair them or mm -hmm. polish them up or doing whatever they do. Uh, you know, and if one gets out of line, you can bop it on the nose. It's all good. So you continue past your speeder bikes and, you know, you'll see that it's got saddles on them and they've, they've got their like classic look. Maybe you see like some other um, props and I think it'd be cool. I mean, you're going to have 3D glasses, so you might as well put some goggles around to make it look like, oh yeah, 3D glasses exist in this, in this um, reality. Yeah. In the next room where we're familiar with seeing like the luggage and you see... Patrick Warburton droid and you see Rex in kind of a container and you know all that good stuff um, where the people mover would come through I do want to kind of change this part change this atmosphere a bit to be very heavy space touristy like hyper optimism like really happy really cool like welcome to your tourism trip we're ready to have a great vacation uh, and then kind of demonstrate that these speeder bikes that you just walked by those are going to be sort of dropped by a big transport ship and you get to kind of like, you know, toot around on your little speeder bike, check out a whole bunch of stuff on multiple planets. They'll pick you up, pull you up in a tractor beam, take you to another location, you tool around. Um, I think you sent me, Drew, a while ago, uh, ATV pictures from the uh, from Hawaii where you were like out in Jurassic Park, like where they filmed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what inspired this idea of like, you know, very just like cool. You just get to like go around and see all this cool galactic stuff. And in mid queue, I want things to change suddenly. There's a big commotion and you see Bo-Katan come on screen and sort of like totally take over, change the show and say, look, everyone, we need your help. We need you to run a diversion. We just need you to drive out into the desert. Um, Grogu and Din Djarin are at risk. We need them. They're very important assets or they they have an important asset, whatever. I want it to be a little bit vague because I want um, some of like the multi-sequence storytelling to be able to take place later. Yeah. But Bo-Katan comes, sets you up. She puts on her Mandalorian helmet and gets the heck out of there. And then you suddenly see that uh, tourist lady come back on. I really want it to be the woman with the big side bun. Yes. If you remember from OG Star Tour. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I want her. I want her for sure uh, to say thank you and get ready to board your uh, your craft. You keep on going and you get into the, uh, the vehicle loading area. Um, again, I have no budgetary constraints here. So <laughs> I have pulled out all of the old um, motion simulator vehicles and I've replaced them all with the ride vehicle system that we see in Flight of Passage. Ooh. So you get onto your sort of like saddle style vehicle, which makes sense for a speeder bike, and you're in there. And, you know, if, if you've ridden Flight of Passage, you know that you have this sort of breathing effect from the from the vehicle because it's like you're riding uh, one of the Banshees. Yeah. Well, let's just take that up to 11 and let's make this thing rattle and shake and feel like a, you know, a Harley Davidson between your legs. <laughs> and that's your speeder bike. And you get all the great audio, like all, all of the sort of quintessential Star Wars sound effects and visuals are going to come into play as you're on this vehicle. And I thought that this would then be an opportunity where you can kind of like zoom around and do your thing, kind of Avatar style, where you get to see a lot of the cool elements of Pandora and you get to, you know, do your thing. And then that's when Bo-Katan and her uh, Mandalorian clan come into play. I really want to implement um, Slave One and Boba Fett as a little, you know, Easter egg experience. But I think what this type of storytelling implies is one, that there's a space and time in which this attraction takes place. 
that's consistent. Right. And because of the nature of the show, The Mandalorian, it being episodic, and it's always sort of like, oh, what did Mando and, and Baby Yoda get into this time? You can sort of just take that formula and apply it to this ride and give the the multi-dimensional uh, storytelling that Star Tours is now known for, where you get a little bit of a different experience every single time. And this leads me to one thing that I think would be so spectacular, which is that the bad guy, the pursuer, can be the Empire or First Order or the New Republic. I want there to be sort of this oh. like vagueness of who is the bad guy, who is the pursuer, who's after you, can actually be sort of either side of the coin in this way. And I think that'll, that'll be an exciting way to sort of like give some, uh, give some gray area to once you arrive in Galaxy's Edge. And what I think is the most important thing to revamping a Star Tours style attraction is that you can make it contiguous between the attraction that you experience in Tomorrowland and everything else that you experience in Galaxy's Edge. And to be able to take the experiences there, to draw on them and drop them right back into Galaxy's Edge where you left off, to have it seamless is really the perfect moneymaker to me. Like that's the moment where they've hit gold. Yeah, dude, that is genius. I, I love using that flight of passage kind of like, you know, ride on technology for a speeder bike. I think that is like so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have like a ton of story beats that I came up with because uh, this guy named John Favreau is pretty good at story. And so I figured I'd just let him kind of take the reins there. So John, if you're watching this, you know, you, you have free reign here. Yeah, give Aaron a call um, if, you, if you need <laughs> yeah, some. Well, we, I'll be a consultant, but I think I think that's where my, my storytelling can, can begin and end for that. But I think that would just be such an exciting way to, you know, the expanse of Star Wars storytelling in Disney Plus specifically right now is kind of like hitting a, a renaissance moment. And I think being able to implement a lot of those stories and setting it up in such a way that you can drop in those episodic elements in the way that they have now, where when a when a new Star Wars film came out, they dropped in a key scene from that movie into the sequence so that you'd experience that. And even now, you land on Batu at the end of the ride. Right. You land on Batu, which is a super cool thing if it were actually in Batu. Yeah. But the fact is you land in Batu and then you walk into Tomorrowland. And so like that illusion is lost right away. Yeah. So that's my idea for keeping uh keeping the sort of spirit of Star Tours alive and keeping that ride space active as a motion simulator. Uh Drew, I can't wait to hear what you came up with. Star Tours, this is a combat zone. Extra script. He's off on your main thruster. It was really difficult, like I said. And what's interesting is I'm actually planning on keeping the Star Tours in Disney World, in Hollywood Studios. Um, so okay. it's very interesting that you're keeping the one here in Disneyland and I'm keeping the one at Disney World, considering we live <laughs> on the opposite coast of that. That's but, right. Um, so for, for my Star Tours, and I think the benefit in Star, the benefit that Star Tours has in Florida is that it's fairly close to Batuu. Um, yeah. You know, there's only like, what is it? There's like Pizza Rizzo and Tatooine Traders between um, Galaxy's Edge and Star Tours. And there's like yes. a little road that goes behind mm -hmm. it. So in my world where the budget doesn't exist, um, that's yeah. all usable space. And this is just one of those benefits of th that Florida has over Disneyland is they just have so much space to do yes. and move things space around. Galore. Totally. So my idea is to actually bring star tours into the galaxy's edge story. Now um, this was very difficult and it sounds like you had the same issues of like, how do we bring this into the time frame? that is Galaxy's Edge. And, you know, I think there's debate as to whether or not Galaxy's Edge um, being on Batu at a certain time frame was good or was bad. Um, I think we'll save that for another episode. But in my yep. case right now, Star Tours is going to stay and I actually want to have an extended queue. Um, so if you go into Galaxy's Edge um, towards the like the resistance hideout, hideout 
the resistance. The resistance area. The resistance area. Yeah, you see the A-wing, you walk by the X-wing. It's sort of before you get into the shops and the main drag and all that. Right. It's like the, the entryway into Batu, into the marketplace anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So it, when you enter Galaxy's Edge, uh, it's kind of split up into different sections if you haven't been. There's like the mar there's the area that is like the first order where uh, Kylo Ren has his, uh, his ship there. And then there's like the Blue Milk Stand, Millennium Falcon the marketplace and then way far off to the left is like the resistance like forest hideout area um, and that's where I actually want my queue to begin um, so the queue for rise against uh, rise of the resistance is kind of in the middle of that foresty area so I want a queue to start at the very end um, that actually leads behind the pizza Rizzo building um, and I want it to be fully lush forest almost kind of like um, galaxy's edges now towards that end but just extend it so that you really feel like it's it's really a hideout like they're really trying to hide something and um what i want to do is i want to have an adventure with r2 and c3po i think that they are the best characters to really use um if you're going to keep um star tours as part of the Galaxy's Edge story, because they're some of the only characters that, first of all, aren't already utilized in Galaxy's mm -hmm. Edge and have been from episode one all the way through the current episodes, right? So, That's right. Yeah, so for me, um, basically, I'm going to give you like a little outline of, of what mine will be like. So the Resistance has chosen a planet called Batu on the Outer Rim Territory as a secret base to collect civilian ships and use them to spread their troops safely across the galaxy. Now, my tie-in with this story is that when you're riding, or when you're in the line for Rise of the Resistance, the first thing you do is you get onto a civilian, <laughs> a civilian ship with mm -hmm. um, Lieutenant Beck, right? And then, so the idea for my Star Tours is that it's going to be taking place at the same time that you would be entering and getting on that ship to go to Bakara, which is uh, the planet that the, the, with the base that they're trying to get to. So you walk up and we find out that R2 and 3PO have been, at, have been tasked to work on repairing a broken ship that Captain Rex crash landed on Batu decades ago. And of course, mm -hmm. that ship, as we all know, is the Star Speeder 3000, or sorry, the Star Speeder 1000, right? Right. And so the Dusty and Dirty Star Speeder 3000 repairs have been completed just in time for a covert mission for the Resistance. And the idea is that we would see basically an old dusty yard full of civilian ships that are currently being worked on by different teams of droids. So I would love to have um, some really iconic ships, maybe um, the ship that Ray, uh, Ray's parents left on when they were going to Batuu. So just old relics that we've seen in the stories because one of my favorite things about Galaxy's Edge is seeing those ships in in full scale, in real life. Right. And I think right. that would just be so cool to see them all kind of lined up and being worked on at this super, super, like, far away secret base. Um, and so this particular ship has been off the grid for quite some time, uh, but still has a working transport ID. So it can still fly and still be registered as a civilian tourism ship, right? So the goal is to use a secret transport ship to safely transport resistance troops, a.k.a. the guests, you and me, to the new resistance base on Bakara and evade the watchful eye of the First Order. So um, during the takeoff, obviously... My goal is to not have to change too much of Star Tours because I just think it's a fantastic ride as is. Um, so during the takeoff, we're still being, you know, blitzed by uh, Kylo Ren and his TIE fighters and the transport ship TR-141 is taken hostage with a tractor beam. So imagine all the ships. It feels very resistance to me. I don't know about you, Aaron, but like resistance kind of just like goes for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of they kind of throw caution to the wind and they just say like, okay, everybody go. And so my idea yeah. is that the same ship, which is TR one four one, that's in the queue for Rise of the Resistance, um, that one and our little ships 
all take off at the same time and TR141 gets taken away with a tractor beam and we know how that goes because we've all been on Rise of the Resistance. If you haven't, it's amazing, but that's what happens. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and then I put in here, um, as that TR-141 ship is being sucked into the First Order um, ship, what would you call it, Aaron? The First Order... Uh, I guess it's like a like a Star Destroyer or whatever yeah. they... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as the TR-141 is getting sucked into the Star Destroyer, um, R2 and his bravery, and I put in quotations, without 3PO getting any input in the matter as always, <laughs> decides that he will use our ship as bait so that the other transport ships have a better chance of making it to their destinations. I think this is very on brand with the Resistance. Mm -hmm. um, if you watch Rogue One, it's basically all sacrifice for the mission, right? So yeah. I think it's very normal for them. And then the idea is that the Star Tours adventure would still continue, but within the timeline of Galaxy's Edge and Batu. So we would still light speed jump through multiple... Um, multiple planets that R2 has been to, obviously, because he's one of the characters, like I said, that's been there the mm -hmm. whole time. And then um, it, at the end of the ride, we receive a transmission from Poe Dameron. Um, and then a little... Th so on Star Tours... Let me start that over. <laughs> so we receive a transmission from Poe Dameron. And in Star Tours, there's a little screen that's to the right of everyone's view. And I want mm. BB-8 to actually be on that, giving R2 and 3PO his little flame thumbs up, which I think <laughs> is really great. Yeah. And then um, he basically, his transmission is telling us that um, Lieutenant Beck and all of the people that were taken into the Star Destroyer are safe back on Batu, and we can safely return to Batu. And then we find out, of course... R2 was doing a separate mission than 3PO the whole time. 3PO had no idea. And as they bicker back and forth, the um, as they bicker back and forth, the cockpit shield goes back up and we're back in bed too. So that's kind of my idea for making Star Tours work in Florida. Like I said, I I think it only works in Florida because you will have to walk back to Batu when you're done. Yeah. So yeah, you're already in Batu. So that landing sequence plays. And I, I think the the brilliance of using 3PO and R2 is that they are characters that transcend everything. So no matter where you go, they are relevant. Definitely. Because they they were around that you know, that's kind of the problem is like when you're in Batu, you can't meet Luke Skywalker. You can't meet um, you know, Darth Vader, you can't do any of these things that you really want you know you want to get that picture you've got Chewbacca who does stand through a majority of the series and then otherwise you just have a lot of new characters um and not that there's anything wrong with that but it's limiting you know and so yeah Drew brilliant way to bring in perhaps the most beloved non-human characters of all time yeah and it was really hard too because there like i said there's only a couple characters that aren't being used so poe dameron is in that scene when tr141 mm -hmm. is being uh taken over with the tractor beam to the star destroyer yep. and he actually if you look carefully in the rear facing screen he actually light speed jumps and so i figured we'd light speed jump with him too so right um and then of course right. chewbacca is worried about the the pile of junk, which is the Millennium Falcon, uh, <laughs> being used by Hondo Anaka at the same time. Right. So it, it was kind of a great a great way to um, to make it all work with the timeline, and then also give guests something that I feel is missing in Galaxy's Edge, and that is familiarity with planets that we've been to in the movies. So that's true. Yeah. And and like I said, they don't have to really refilm anything. It's just planets that R two and three PO have already been to. So he just jumps. Mm -hmm. You get the you get the same great Star Wars uh, Star Tours experience that you got before, um, except now it just fits within the time the timeline. Like I said, this was one of those, you know, one of those attractions where it was really easy to be like, okay, we should do something with Star Tours. And then it's like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, this is so yeah. hard. Yeah. Definitely. But it, it definitely has that, that sort of Disney DNA that's, it's hard to break through. Uh, one idea that I had sort of like scratched on the back of a napkin 
when it came to uh, to my version, and I ended up going with the speeder bike idea, but let me just throw this to your idea. Okay. Is I really thought that it would be neat if you could load the same ride vehicle from the rear and okay. keep the walls enclosed the, you know, that you would open and close the doors from otherwise, mm-hmm. and then be able to put additional screens there. And I was thinking about the, you know, the multiple s- screens that you get in Rise of the Resistance yeah. and how that extra context really works in your favor and thinking that wouldn't be too terrible to do. Yeah. You just enclose those doors. I, I definitely agree. And I thought of that, too. I thought of like doing animated portholes or something like mm-hmm. that. But um, I, I like I said, I kind of all I, I what it ended up being is I like the idea of using an actual Star Speeder 1000 that DJ Rex, you know, Captain Rex <laughs> crashed. Because I love that. Yeah. There's kind of a loose story. Um, in the Galaxy's Edge in Florida, that Captain Rex, mm-hmm. there is a ship there that's like wreckage. Um, yeah. But I like the idea of that wreckage being something that we associate with Captain Rex, which is a Star Speeder 1000. So, yeah. And I also like the idea because we don't get to see the Star Speeder 1000 dirty and beat up very often. So that's true. It always looks like pristine, almost like. Uh, like perfectly nearly chromed out right you know it's like like a satin finish to the paint and you know going through the battles in space and it's like showroom ready star (laughs) speeder 1000 yeah and i guess that's that was kind of the point when they first opened the ride right because rex has a remove before flight thing so it is kind of technically Mm -hmm. brand new but um right realistically in the star wars universe you don't really see ships that look clean unless they're from naboo Um, but yeah, so I like the idea of seeing a ship just totally beat down and dusty and dirty and broken and being welded together, uh, by droids in the yard as you're queuing. It does give a great opportunity for somebody to get a, what a pile of junk. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it really gives you sort of the nerves of like, are we going to make it out of here? Is this going to actually happen? Yeah. You know, that that sort of um, unease. Right. And, really, really cool. And and kind of to your point, too, is um, I like using the motion to make it feel kind of rickety, right? That's something that we don't really get on Star Tours. Like, we get smooth, you know, movements back and forth, but we don't really get, like, rattling very much. Yeah. I would say the only rattling that we got was on the original Star Tours ride where you broke through the sheet of ice in the mm-hmm. middle of the ice crater. That was the only time you got like yeah. a kind of a bump. So that's my idea for Florida. Now, Love it. what would you do for Florida, Aaron? Cuz that's your that's your hometown. That's your turf. This is where I changed course. This is where I was trying to think of a way to replace Star Tours. And so in my mind, I I sort of went blank page and said, all right, if all I have is Galaxy's Edge and if Star Tours is off the table, what do we have? So we have an attraction with smugglers and we have attraction with, you know, the the resistance, uh, basically a rebellion. Um, So I thought it would be neat to add the missing ingredient which is something around the First Order or the Empire. So I looked at the map, and where you have all of the Muppets activity is kind of like flanked on either side by Star Wars. You have Star Tours on the one side, and you've got Muppet Vision 3D for some reason, and then Galaxy's Edge. So I looked at it and noticed that the, the theater kind of fits in the space where Star Tours could go. So... Again, I'm just going to take my uh, bottomless pit of money and say, I want everything Muppets moved over there. Okay. Just move it. So everything's out of the way. And now I have that continuous extended, just like you were you were talking about with your idea, a continuous but um, you know perfectly bordered Galaxy's Edge that's a little bit extended. Okay, cool. And then just to contextualize the space a little bit, the amount of space that you earn with that whole Muppet area could fit um, Rock and Roller Coaster and then some. So my idea was to add a squadron-themed roller coaster. And specifically, I want first-order craft on this track. So I want it to basically be a 
um, you know, story-wise, I want it to be a training facility. I want this to be like the proving grounds for the ace first order pilots. Cool. And so thinking about this vehicle, you know, you're in like the black and red, you know, all like sort of, um, whether it be empired out or first ordered out, it would probably be um, a little bit of both, you know, making reference to the empire and they're sort of like clean white everything and then making a very like stark black, reds, grays. And then you come to your vehicles and these vehicles, I want to have a few key elements. First, uh, I think we've stressed this in every one of our videos so far, but onboard audio. Yes. Onboard audio. Yes. Is just the way to go. Totally. And then I also want some of the instrumentation to be uh, not necessarily interactive, but I want it to be lit up. It'd be great if it was interactive. And I think that once you hit certain trigger points in the ride, if you had different things happen, I think that would be huge. And I, what I really think would be cool is to have the octagonal viewport of the front of a TIE fighter yeah. that you are looking through. It doesn't need glass. It doesn't need anything. But just to put that into the design of the ride vehicle would just be enormous. It would be so huge. Yeah. So the idea in making it a sort of proving ground, a testing facility, means that Disney doesn't have to admit that you are being encouraged to be put on a ride and kill resistance fighters. So <laughs> there's no actual deaths that occur. You're not being encouraged to go and commit any kind of genocide. Yeah, there's none of that. It's just all about like, hey, you are the best of the best. I mean, think basically like, how do you mix Top Gun into an attraction of with the Empire mm. or with the First Order? Um, so that's really what I wanted to do. And it could be very like, I wanted it to be almost like a parody of, uh, of that sort of like old timey, uh, the army needs you, join now. Like I want that sort of like uh, imperialist idea you sort of see this with Solo a bit. I was going to say, yeah, you kind of get that recruitment vibe from mm -hmm. Solo, definitely. And what is and what does he want to be? What does Han want to be? He wants to be the best pilot in the galaxy. That's what this ride is looking for. They're looking for the ace pilots. Um, and there are a couple of elements that I that I thought would be extremely cool, other than it just being a great roller coaster. I mean, put put awesome theming into a great roller coaster, and you make for a great ride. Um, Making it a steel track ride with a tractor beam that ascends you up the lift hill, I thought that would be perfect implementation of you know making the lift hill make sense to the context of what's going yeah. on. And then I thought it'd be really neat if at the end of the ride, um, it sort of simulates a landing. So that you sort of swoop down and then have a little bit of a settling. You know, you drop down into your, your brake position a bit. I thought that some of those little just little touches would really make for a unique ride experience that you can't really find anywhere else. And it gives you an angle on the Star Wars universe that Galaxy's Edge doesn't provide and Star Tours hasn't provided either. And it still puts you in the position of being a character in the contiguous story of what's going on in Batu. Definitely. That was my idea to just totally scrap and build from scratch something from, uh, um, you know, from the Star Wars universe. And that's, that's what I would do in, in Florida with all that space. <laughs> you got plenty of it, definitely. Got plenty of it. And, you know, the first thing, and I don't know if you thought about this, but I think the first thing I thought of when you said, like, Star Wars roller coaster is, I don't know, I think I sent you some videos about the roller coasters that run on a single I-beam now. I have seen some of this, yeah. I love the idea of it being like a single I-beam and your instructions are to follow the maneuvers and follow the line in front of you, almost kind yeah. of like a flight test. Uh, and that's kind yeah. of a way that you can kind of theme in the fact that there's a track. Um, mm -hmm. I also like the idea of it being in a, a hang coaster. I think that would be pretty fun. I don't think that would be necessarily um, realistic because you're sitting in a TIE fighter, but... Um, yeah, I think a beam coaster would just be so cool, especially because they're so smooth. It actually feels like you're basically flying, like you're just gliding yeah, through. Yeah, that's true. Air. So, yeah. dude, I love that. And I love the octagonal viewport, too. And, and you know, I've always wondered, because when they announced that they were going to do Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, I'm like, how on earth 
are they going to make that cockpit with all of its beams and all of its different shapes work mm-hmm. without being annoying? And I mean, you go on the ride and you don't really care that they're there, which is yeah, it's it's almost not even noticed. Yeah, you you just kind of get used to it. So yeah. I think using the octagonal uh, shape for the Tie Fighter cockpit is is genius. I love that. That is a perfect way to really theme a, a roller coaster properly. Um, I also kind of like the idea. Did you say that it was going to be in a show building or outdoors? I I would expect it to be probably in a show building. Uh, definitely concerning the idea that it will be dark. But yeah. um, you know, going going off of your idea to theme that rail or to to acknowledge the rail and use it as part of the theming and part of the storytelling. Uh, yeah, I think it would it would almost certainly have to be indoors or have a crazy lighting system. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, having it, having it indoors in particular, um, I, I was using rock and roller coaster as a sort of size scale, Mm -hmm. but also just as far as like, you know, what's, what's fairly easy and feasible to accomplish in that plot and what you can do with that much space. You know, I don't really have an idea for how much volume, equals a good roller coaster experience. That's not something I'm aware of. So I just used a reference point and said, rock and roller coaster yeah. works. What does this look like here? And just sort of did a visual copy and paste. Um, so inside of a show building, I think would be uh, almost essential yeah. to tell this story right, you know, to make it seem like you're really in space. Um, and they could do, I, I mean, I, I hesitate to overdo this because I know that, that, um, the Epcot restaurant Space 220 is going to do like a false elevator where you get brought up into space, but to do something with a, you know, a craft that launches you up to a, you know, some, some ship, then that's where all the, the training ties are stored. Yeah. Um, there's also, I mean, this is getting into some maybe non, non mass adopted, pieces of star wars media but the game star wars squadrons has a feature where uh whether you're a a first order craft or an imperial craft or one of the rebel new republic ships you can do like a drift maneuver and i thought being able to implement that into turns and saying like all right now you're gonna learn to do this drift maneuver because this is the best way to get um past and in front of and then take out a target yeah so it, it's sort of like exists in Star Wars canon, this idea of like drifting ships in space, you know, with all the drag that you have in a, <laughs> in a vacuum. vacuum. Yeah. 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 So doing that physically possible maneuver <laughs> uh, is, is a really cool thing. Mostly, though, I just want to be able to have the visceral experience where Poe sits in a TIE fighter when they're escaping in The Force Awakens. And he says, oh, this thing really moves. Like that, like shock of like, you just sort of see them and you're like, oh, there's TIE fighters. There's a bunch of them. We can take them out. And they're like, oh, no, these are these are Corvettes. These things move. And another thing, too, which I think would be really great is kind of like to add to that Top Gun feel that you're talking about. Like, I think one of the coolest things about um, an aircraft carrier is the fact that the planes are actually stored underneath. So I like the idea of loading onto your train. And like, this is just me being a kid, like watching nothing but a queue because we didn't have phones back at the time. But like watching Space Mountain when they load a handicapped vehicle slide over into position. Mm. I love your idea of like doing a roller coaster. You load, it slides to the right. And then the opposite of Hagrid's motorbike, you know, creature motorbike adventure, instead of dropping, you get lifted up onto the platform where you take off and then using linear induction with just kind of like you can take off um, slow and then speed up. You're like, whoa, this thing really mm-hmm. moves. Like just like yeah. what you said and kind of using all these new technologies to our advantage would just be like so cool. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, and that's that's sort of like in the um – in a couple of scenes, you see the sort of hanging system that they use for storing these ties. Right. And so there is like a, like, it's going to lift you up. It's going to sort of crane you into position, open up its claws. And by that time, you better be floating and moving because it's time to go to work. Yeah. And Super cool. Yeah, that, that implementation could really, really work nicely. Yeah, you could also do something like Escape from Green Guts too, where you have a, a rotating actual coaster where you have some 3D elements so you can, you know, mm-hmm. join a faux battle or something like that and you can make the... I mean, I think that's that's kind of what Guardians will be. They're doing that sort of like rotating storytelling coaster idea yeah. 
with, uh, with, with that ride. Yeah. I think that would be genius to do a TIE fighter ride with that same technology. Well. I think we've come up mm-hmm. with something pretty cool. That's a great <laughs> idea, Aaron. I think that's, yeah. that's like awesome. Super, super cool. Uh, it's, it's going to be in my dreams. <laughs> now. Okay. So you decided, yeah, you just decided to just remove it completely and, and replace it with something. Um, my, my version is a little bit different. So it's really interesting okay. because for me, I would actually remove Star Tours completely from Tomorrowland. I think that, and I don't know if this has anything to do with the fact that I just love that ride mechanism and this might be the only way to truly save it from being just removed and never brought back. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that if you watch the old videos of them doing the construction for Star Tours, it's an aircraft simulator and they actually craned them in through the ceiling uh, of the actual building where you load. So my idea was like, you know what? Those are probably really valuable. Everybody loves the way they move and you know, they're still, it doesn't feel like a ride that is from 1989. It doesn't feel outdated. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. The actual experience of being in the simulator now that they've updated the projections It doesn't feel old at all. It feels like a pretty decent ride. And so for me, what I would do is I would actually remove them from Tomorrowland and drop them in Hollywood, uh, Hollywoodland in Disney California Adventure. Now, I know this is probably a really unpopular decision. (laughs) If I if I had to cut Star Tours, this is what I would do with it. But um, putting it in Hollywoodland, I think Hollywood is probably one of the weakest lands uh, inside of California Adventure. I don't know how you feel about it, Aaron, but I just don't get really any Hollywood vibes from it. Like it, it's been downhill ever since you know Superstar Lemo had to be replaced with Monsters Inc. Right, and even then, Monsters Inc. <laughs> Monsters Inc. doesn't have anything to do with like Hollywood or filming or backlot. No. And in fact, any kind of like Hollywood facade that's left is just the the street you know, that's painted onto the wall. And of they the have IP. theater shows, right? They have theater shows, but that's sort of like the only linkage right. to anything Hollywood yeah. versus Hollywood studios. I was watching a video about star tours in Hollywood studios today. And the person that was walking through the queue, you see the ATAT transport and then he turns around and you see that they're facade. Yeah. I think that is like the whole point of Hollywood, right? So I'm going to really lean in on that for my, reimagining of star tours and i'm going to drop it into stage 12 which is in the very back corner of hollywood Mm -hmm. um it's where like they used to have a bunch of restaurants and it's where the current captain marvel meet and greet is it's dressed up as a hanger and her her jets like hanging like halfway out the building so i would actually move all the star tour simulators into that building and then I really want to lean in on the fact that there is facades behind the scenes. It takes work to create these movies that we watch. I think that's something that Disney just hasn't really capitalized on at Disney California Adventure. Um, so for that's me, true. I like the idea. And this was a this was there was a, a rumor going around. I want to say like two years ago about some sort of black box ride. Have you ever heard that, Aaron? Mm-mm, no. Yeah, so there here at least in in Anaheim there was some sort of rumor going around about a black box ride and the idea was that it's like an attraction that can rotate seasonally and I think mm-hmm. Star Tours I mean that's all they told us but I think Star Tours and its ride mechanism makes the perfect ride vehicle for a black box attraction. So a, an attraction that can change yearly or bi-yearly, you know, like um mm-hmm. biannually um, to something different. I also like the idea of it uh, really showing. So, like for example, one of the rides that I would love to do is a train ride, like a crazy train ride through all of the different worlds of Zootopia, right? Ooh, right. So yeah. I like the idea of turning the Star Tours simulator vehicle into just a vehicle that can take us to different, you know through different movies and, and IPs any time they want to change it. And I think that's something that we don't get with attractions is they kind of put something out, they spend a lot of money on it, and then then they decide whether it's good or not and make changes based on that. Versus if we were to be able to make the simulator ride with different 
um, facades and, and different movements and things like that every year or so or every two years, um, I think they, they'll find a lot more benefit out of the attraction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And there wouldn't have to be a lot of work done potentially. I, like I'm imagining, well, a ride that's not on the West Coast right now is um, Ratatouille. Right. You could easily take the sort of POV experience of Ratatouille and just drop it in and have all of the motion effects and the cool elements that that you get in that experience. Right. And there it is. There's your ride. It's it's sort of your West Coast fix. But then to do more bespoke things like a Zootopia ride or or something else. I mean, you could re uh, the licensing would never happen for this, but there was an idea for a simulated uh, Roger Rabbit ride through a cartoon studio, which kind of works in Hollywood. Totally. And it would be like crazy animated, like none of these things could really happen. But uh, we'll thank Steven Spielberg for never being able to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, my idea is, you know, you you enter the same facade a show building it says stage 12 on it it's right in front there's not very much to look at as far as entering mm -hmm. the building but then once you're in the building i imagine it somewhat like uh the animation building in hollywood where they show you kind of yeah. renderings of characters before they were fully finalized um what they looked like um clay models of of uh, some of the characters before they were put on the screen um, and then you'd enter this ride vehicle and it would just come to life. I think that is the really cool thing about it. And then also Disney's been doing, I don't know if they've been doing it in Florida, Aaron, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but here in California, uh, for example, they do, they've been doing a lot of overlays on rides. So like space mountain will be, or like ghost galaxy or, mm -hmm. um, what was they did hyperspace exactly mountain yeah. Well. The hyperspace mountain they had Speaking of star Wars coasters. Yeah. They had, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout Monsters After Dark, I think is what it was yeah, called. Yeah, the After Dark. So they, they yeah. do a lot of these things for their annual pass holders. And I just think this would be so great, not only for people like you and me to experience these attractions, <clears throat> excuse me, to experience these attractions that are brand new, but also kind of give Walt Disney Imagineering uh, a better understanding of what you know, IPs people really like before. Yeah. And I, I love the idea of giving it to like junior Imagineers to really go wild, you know? Yeah. It's a perfect testing ground because it's really low risk, but it could have huge payoff. Definitely. And another thing that they could definitely do is they've been doing a lot of eighties nights, nineties nights, things like mm -hmm. that. And there there's dapper days, right? So there's a lot of different themed events that happen and i love the idea of them bringing back attractions that you and i never got to actually experience and putting it in that black box attraction yeah <laughs> the full do you want to know the full circle go, okay go ahead the full the full circle would be to use the star tours ride vehicle for adventures through inner space yes so Contextualizing that, that is to say the building that uh, Star Tours occupies now used to be a ride called Adventures Through Inner right. Space. So now we've fully come back around to the start where we have shrinking down into the size of a molecule uh, to explore the innards of a snowflake. Right. That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> and you could, yeah, you're right. You could only be done in a black box scenario like that. That would be so neat. And, and to be honest, for me, and I'm sure a lot of other annual pass holders uh, agree, these events are really great. And you get to take pictures with characters that aren't normally walking out and about in the park. But, like, for example, before the pandemic, they had a Star Wars celebration, right? I, I don't think it ever happened. But they definitely sold tickets for it. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, Rise of the Resistance won't be open. And it's like, why not? Like the rides are just as important as the characters yeah. and the food and the exclusivity of it all. So like I think if even if you had a Star Wars day and you're like, hey, guess what? If you go over to Disney California Adventure, we're going to be showing the original Star Tours. People would go insane. 
Yeah, they go bananas. Because that's not something we get to experience anymore. And it brings that nostalgia back, right? So I think this is just a golden opportunity to move it. I think Tomorrowland's going to be, for the most part, bulldozed and redone anyway. So this is kind of my way of saving that that amazing ride vehicle and experience that we get. And, and, you know, we can go on Star Tours later if they decide to bring it back. It's just software, right? right? You just upload it and make it work. So that's my idea. I love it. I mean, you could even you could even use that for imagineering purposes to ha- um, to test out system, you know, to test out future rides. Totally. To sort of have like that additional, um, you know, AR experience in a future Marvel ride or something. I don't know. Right. You get to experience or the ride before it's done. Or uh, see what it's like to to ride through, you know, to virtually ride through the princess and the frog overlay of splash mountain to like see what everything looks like. And you're in a vehicle and you get to, you know, that all of that motion that you get in that vehicle is, is really could be capitalized in a a lot of different ways. And it's, and it's truly limitless. I mean, like if you've ever watched videos of the behind the scenes for star tours, I think there's one on YouTube. I mean, that thing, when it, when you go to light speed, I mean, it really, (laughs) it really dips. I think it's like probably almost a 45 degree angle. Uh, to give you mm-hmm. that sensation of the weight on you. And it's just like, yeah. it, it's such a great ride vehicle. I hope it never goes away. So if they do decide that it's not going to stay forever in Tomorrowland, I hope that they move it somewhere else so that we can enjoy it with other rides or other overlays. While you were talking, it occurred to me that there is one simulator ride that uses that system that we actually haven't talked about. And it's Body Wars. I don't know if you know the history of Body Wars. I don't. It was a ride that uses the identical flight simulator ride system and not unlike a indie dinosaur parallel, uses the exact same programming to have all the same motions up, down, in, and out, except that the story and all of the footage is that you have shrunk down and are traveling through a body think like magic school bus yeah almost that's exactly what i was thinking um, when you said that yeah so you actually travel down and you're like the size of a little cell and you have to like fight off a virus and uh apparently made people very sick (laughs) in particular uh and they um so they did a couple of things that that sort of like reduced the sickness factor and eventually it just sort of like went the way of the dodo and it's strange to me that they had that in parallel with Star Tours. It wasn't that it came before or was a replacement. Uh, they just had it at another park. You know, they had that at Epcot um, in the Wonders of Life, I think, Wonders of Life Pavilion. And then they had uh, over at Hollywood Studios, another simulator doing the same stuff, just looking like Star Wars. <laughs> but hey, well, I mean, I really loved all, all of our ideas. I think it's really great. I, I do find it interesting that we kind of swip swapped. Uh, That's true. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. We wanted to keep Star Tours at arm's length for some reason. Yeah. Well, this brings up one last question, Drew. And, you know, I, I think it goes without saying that Star Tours will remain for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But do you expect that, uh, you know, 10 years into its uh, renewed life, do you expect that in another 10 years that we will see Star Tours? change or unchanged yeah 2031 i i mean i could really see that it is just untouched that it's just maintained um and as much as it sort of kind of annoys the storytelling continuity that i wish for boy i think that there's just such love for that ride that that there's no reason that there's no reason to mess with it I can see the argument of removing it because Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is similar in similar in the sense that it's also a motion simulated ride, but this one you get to actually control. So mm-hmm. I actually think I might say the opposite. I think at least at Disney uh, Disneyland here in Anaheim, I I don't see it lasting to 2031. I think that. Um, with the amount of new projects that we've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if Tomorrowland is truly next for refurbishment after Mickey's Runaway Railway and we see Star Tours go away. But that's just me. 
in Florida, I think it'll stay. I think that there, you know, you need to have attractions open for people to go on rides. If they wanted to do construction, there's plenty of space to do it. It's totally a different mm-hmm. situation than here in Anaheim. Yeah. So I think it'll stay in Florida, uh, which I'm happy about. <laughs> and I think it'll go away eventually in Disneyland. I mean, and we haven't even talked about the other two locations, but I think that they also stand uh, a, a much easier shot of maintaining. I think that if there's one out of the four that's on the chopping block, I definitely agree that it's going to be Anaheim to go first. But um, I do see a long life in the future for this ride somewhere on the planet. I, I think that uh, it'll be a very, very long time and with much outcry that we live in a world without any star tours yeah i i agree and i think that it's in what was it four parks for a reason it's a phenomenal ride it's an experience that you know we don't get anywhere else but walt disney said that tomorrowland will never be finished at least here in disneyland so who knows who knows walt disney never rode a star wars ride he never even saw one of their movies that's true that's very true (laughs) well drew any closing thoughts i'm really happy with the ideas that we've come up with um like i said i think this was particularly a really touchy and difficult attraction to try to reimagine um yes i think i think your ideas were fantastic i i love it and i mean i love the mandalorian i would love for the mandalorian to be added into an attraction and star tour seems like the perfect one so uh who knows yeah we'll see and i love the idea of of you know dusting off the old star speeder 1000 in you know a not so distant batu future yeah man that that would be just something i and the sort of like tangential references to the lore of a future ride it sort of is this like wink to everyone that knows about it and for anyone else it's just like oh well yeah he, he crashed the thing we're on the thing it's fixed up we're gonna go um it total it's it works on so many levels that uh man that <laughs> that's irresistible i'd love to hear from our viewers what version of a ride that we just talked about tonight would you most like to enjoy yeah and also chime in on the uncertain future of star tours do you guys think it's going to stay do you think you know they're going to just uh, redo it to retheme it to fit in with galaxy's edge i'm really interested to see what you guys think because We had a heck of a time trying to figure out this one. (laughs) And remember, guys, uh, to like and comment on this video. Uh, Hit the subscribe button so that you know whenever we uh, upload new videos. I had a really, really great time with this one, Aaron. Same here. Same here. We hope to see you guys next week for our next episode, episode five. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. cockpit view so on the external shot of a tie fighter you see at the top of the um, viewport is flat it's the flat part of the um of the octagon right and when you get an interior shot um they put a point at the top on some of the shots really so certain tie fighter interiors have a physically impossible design (laughs) where there's a point of the uh, octagon at the top, but on the outside view, it's a flat top.